Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. And what is up? Welcome in. West Metro here. Chris Clark, GC Live, Tuesday episode of the show. Uh, we are live from Still Hands. Uh, Apologize for a little bit of technical difficulties that we were dealing with there. Um, obviously, if uh, if you can't hear us, let us know. We were trying to get everything settled up. Thought we were good to go. We were not. Um, but now I believe that we are. Again, appreciate y'all being patient as we roll along into this Texas A&M matchup. As you know, you're going to hear about it all week long. But, uh, Chris, let's. Um, I guess first I think we got to start with Maybe the biggest news of the day, something that had been rumored a bit throughout, um, I don't know, the last few days, but it becomes official today. R.J. Roderick no longer on the South Carolina football team, of course, the senior safety. And, uh, you know, he's someone that, uh, you know, Beamer obviously did not expound a ton on it. He said he'd let R.J. speak for himself. But uh, I know you've got an article up on GamecockCentral.com already explaining uh, what this may mean for South Carolina. So, uh, what were your thoughts, I guess, on the news today? Becoming official, R.J. Roderick no longer on the South Carolina football program. The first area to start, I think, with this, Wes, is just, uh, you know, how did this happen, right? Because R.J. Roderick is a guy that uh, had played a whole bunch of games uh, going into this season. I think he had played in 43 games and started, what, 33? Definitely in the 30s in terms of starting between nickel and safety. So a guy that brought a lot of experience to this team and brought a lot of experience to a position that was really pretty thin in terms of safety. 
We talked about that a lot before the season, how in terms of your starting five between corner and nickel safety, probably felt pretty good if you're South Carolina, may not feel as good beyond that. However, we did know that freshman Nick Eamon Rory had been very impressive in preseason, and we had even heard and passed along that wouldn't be a huge shock to see him become a starter at some point. So what happens in the Georgia State game? Drive one, R.J. Roderick goes down, Nick Eamon Rory comes in. He plays very well, especially when you consider it's his first ever college action. R.J. misses a couple of games after that. Um, Nick continues to play well, and then by the time R.J. Roderick gets back into the fold, Nick has kind of taken hold of that safety spot. So as it is now, Wes, um, Nick is your starter at safety. Um, it's also been interesting because David Spalding played safety against Kentucky and may very well keep that job as well, especially because Devonnie reads out. But this does give you a hit from a depth standpoint. R.J. Roderick, a guy that obviously has played multiple positions during his career, he had been beaten out by Nicky Minori, um, both during the injury, really, and after. I mean, Nicky Minori is not a guy you're going to pull off the field, given the way that he played. But this does hurt your depth. There, there's no doubt about it. Uh, R.J. Roderick playing, I think, in three games this season. So this will allow him to preserve his red shirt for the future. Yeah, and I think um, I'd, as of right now, I don't, I don't think anything's come out um, since we went live here a second ago. Um, R.J. had not come out with anything specifically from himself. But um, basically, you know, I think the expectation from what I have heard, just to be clear, you know, RJ hasn't said this officially, but from what I've heard, and I think it's pretty obvious at this point, the plan will be, I imagine, to go um, transfer somewhere else because he is, he is a fifth-year player but has not played in four games this year. So uh, he will be able to enter the transfer portal, have basically a full year of eligibility left wherever he may go. And I think you're right, man. I mean, he was the starter coming into the year. He was a senior. He had the experience. But even – when he came back healthy, uh, you know, even Warrior was not going to lose his spot. And now all of a sudden you have a spot there where you, you actually have some decent depth. I, I thought, um, you know, obviously even Worry, he's not coming off the field, I think. Like he has established himself at this point. But I know it's one game. I really liked what I saw from David Spalding against Kentucky. And, you know, I, I think he was a guy, honestly, like, you know, and maybe this wasn't fair. This last year was his first year within the program. There wasn't a big sample size this year. Um, you know, I don't know that I necessarily had huge expectations for Spalding. I thought, you know, this would be good for them to get him back. Mm -hmm. Depth piece. Um, we'll see if he can continue to play the way he did against or against Kentucky, you know, moving forward against Texas A&M and on. But if he can do what he did, um, you know, that, that's another guy that I, I think – uh, at least from what we saw last week, uh, bring some playmaking ability into the secondary. Yeah, he does. And, I mean, particularly with losing Roderick, um, you know, getting Spalding back would have been helpful from helpful from a depth standpoint anyway because now you need, you need somebody who can play safety. So this looks like a really timely move for South Carolina that not only were they able to slot him in for a game against Kentucky, but he played quite well there. They seem to feel pretty good about nickel because now – you can play Cam Smith at nickel if you want to matchup-wise. DQ Smith has obviously grabbed that spot and mm -hmm. kind of kept a really good hold on that, another true freshman from the Columbia area. So uh, Spalding's emergence, especially with the injuries that they have had in the secondary, has been critical, I think even more so now. 
Devonnie Reed's been banged up. He's missed practice time. Um, he looks to be able to return this week against A&M, but I'm with you, man. I, I'm not, wouldn't be surprised at all if David Spalding is once again, the starting safety against A&M and maybe for the rest of the season, then that helps you, you know, you get a depth guy in Devonnie Reed who's played a lot of football. He can either be a starter or at worst be a reserve back at safety. Yeah, you go out there and make some plays, which Spalding did, uh, like we've talked about, bookended the game with a forced fumble and the interception. You're, you're going to be, on, you're going to find your way on the field very, very quickly if uh, you keep making plays. So it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to do that moving forward. And um, really, the emergence of DQ at nickel has given them more depth at cornerback because as of late, it has felt more like they've just kind of rotated the three guys. Of course, Darius Rush, Cam Smith. Marcellus Dial at corner as opposed to putting them all three on the field at the same time. And, uh, you know, that was a game against Kentucky, much like I think we'll see this week against Texas A&M, where DQ really had to, to be a physical presence. Uh, Beamer talked about it. He's basically playing a Sam linebacker spot when you're playing these run-first teams that like to get in these kind of more pro-style sets, either with a fullback or a couple of tight ends. And you're really – I mean, you're asking a lot out of that guy. You're asking him to cover slot receivers. You're asking him to get in the box and hit guys against bigger formations. So uh, DQ, just, I mean, we talked about it over and over at this point, but DQ and Eamon Worry stepping up, and they weren't their most highly recruited guys in the secondary, but both of them have been ready to play and ready to help this team. And uh, really cool to see the two local guys making their impact. Um, you know, and I, I think – I think it's a situation where you could just kind of feel the youth movement there. Like you could feel the young guys taking over. And um, I mean, you can kind of envision it now, those guys being the future. They're the present of that position as far as playing, but I think they're probably the future leaders of that position who are getting their, um, getting their feet wet right now. But now you look at him and worry, man. I mean, he's taking more snaps than anybody else on the entire defense. So <laughs> yeah. a huge part of what South Carolina is going to be doing. Moving forward, uh, and by the way, again, we are, are here at the Still Hands studio. Uh, this is something we've kind of had in the works for a long time, uh, finally getting it off the ground here. And uh, you see the big logo there behind Chris's head. So we're going to be back at Still Hands this Friday uh, at 5 p.m., getting you ready for the Texas A&M game. If you're already in town, if you live in Columbia or you're from out of town but are already in town for the big game, I got a feeling, man, between the fair – between the renewed energy from the fan base, Texas A&M, a, a solid SEC team, but a beatable SEC team rolling into town. This is going to be an incredible atmosphere in Columbia this weekend. So uh, what Still Hands wants to do is they want you to come out, hang out, drink some beer, enjoy some live music before the game. They're having an oyster roast, having a live uh, live music, of course. Gamecock Central is going to be on hand. We're going to do a giveaway um, I know we're still working out the details uh, with those guys on what's going to be in that giveaway package. But if you're in town, come on out on Friday. The Kyle Dills Band will be on hand, and uh, GC will be on hand as well. So come out, hang out. Uh, we'll talk some ball and uh, have a good old time. So, Chris, uh, Beamer talking earlier today. I know you've got your injury report up already as well. And um, getting – you know, no, no surprises as far as the injury report goes. Sounds like Corey Rucker is out again. Terrell Dawkins still working his way back. But for the most part, those guys that were kind of in that, like, banged-up category, you would say, seems like most, uh, if not all, those guys uh, could be back this week. 
bye week comes at a good time. I think all coaches say it. Jimbo Fisher had his press conference. He has his on Monday, I think mornings or afternoons. And he was asked about the bye week. And he said the bye week has never come at a bad time. Uh, anytime you have one is good. And they have bumps and bruises too at A&M West. And um, there have been a lot of rumors with that. Some of them dispelled by Fisher, some of them not really. And so we're kind of trying to get a handle on their team's health. But we have a pretty good handle, we think, on South Carolina's health. Obviously, they'll be without Roderick for different reasons. But, you know, the Kentucky game, was they're pretty banged up. You know, they're still missing Boogie Huntley. They're missing Devonnie Reed, missing Trey Jones, uh, Rucker, obviously, Dawkins, like you said. So they're going to be in the best shape that they've been in a while from an injury standpoint, probably – Heck, really, since probably the first quarter of the Arkansas game, this, this is the healthiest that this team's going to be. So some of them are guys that have started. Buggy Huntley's been a starter. Tonka Hemingway played very well against Kentucky. But even if it's a 1A, 1B situation, great to get him back. Devonnie Reed can be a depth guy. Trey Jones has played football for this team. And Christian Beal Smith, obviously, is a potentially really nice addition at running back. Yeah, man, I think um, we started to see Tonka really come on. Uh, I keep wanting to say last week, two weekends ago, obviously. You all know what I mean. But we really saw him start to come on a bit, make some plays, uh, make some plays in the the pass rush game as well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if that front can continue to build off of what they did against Kentucky. I um, Not to get too deep into the weeds on this game, but I, I think uh, it, it's going to be one of those games where our keys to victory read like the old school. This could be a key to victory to every game. <laughs> Run the football, stop the run. But yeah. man, I, I look the more you look back on the Kentucky game, I thought South Carolina played pretty physical defensively. I thought they hung in there, but they they also they gave up a lot of yards on the ground in the first half. And they still, even if you look at the statistics, it looks like they didn't give up anything in the second half. A lot of that was because Kentucky was putting itself behind the sticks. Sometimes uh, they had issues with penalties. And then I feel like Kentucky felt like they had to throw the football. Lots of sacks that ended up obviously affecting their rushing totals. And it felt like Kentucky, whether they should have or shouldn't have, is up for debate. But they got away from the running game. So I still think, um, you know, there are concerns about South Carolina against this A&M offensive line, against A-Chain, who's um, a stud running back. Like this dude really is good. really, really good. Can can hit you from any – he can score from any point on the field. So, I think um, you kind of go into this game looking at the way the last few years have played out. And that's like the early – that's where your your eyeballs instantly go to is can Carolina find a way to generate something in the running game? Um, I think we'll see an improved rushing attack for South Carolina compared to the last <laughs> few years because we've seen them start to find some room to run against SEC defenses. However yeah. – can they slow the running game of Texas A&M and force A&M to put it on their quarterback the way Kentucky had to? Yeah, and I think it, the two teams have been kind of similar in some ways this year, meaning South Carolina and A&M offensively. Um, when they've struggled, it's been because they've made lots of mistakes, right? They're both capable of running the football. They're both capable of making uh, plays at the quarterback position. But what have we seen if you're – if you've got kind of a knock on Spencer Rattler this year, it's been too many plays that have resulted in turnovers or could result mm. in turnovers. Now, past few weeks, we've seen that go down, which is a positive. He had a couple against Kentucky. One of them wasn't a ball he forced, more execution. 
One of them was obviously the fumble. The fumble, yep. And so you got to clean those up. Um, conversely, other side, we've seen that with AM where Haynes King, I believe, has five touchdowns, five interceptions. So Alabama game, Jimbo Fisher mentioned it on Monday. Haynes King made a lot of plays for them, some runs, hung in there, some big throws, also made some mistakes. And so for South Carolina, I like what you said about the Kentucky game. I think the formula for them is going to be similar. Hang in there, right? Mm-hmm. No A-chain 75-yard touchdown runs. Uh, try to keep them – if you give up yards between the 20s, okay. Force them into mistakes. Try to get off the field on a third down or two. Maybe make a big special teams play. Uh, Shane Beamer pointed that out today, Wes. I'd forgotten about that big play for A&M against South Carolina last year in that football game, which obviously is a rarity against this team. So hanging in there and, yeah, giving up some yards, but making them punt every now and then, forcing a field goal every now and then, forcing a turnover, I think that's going to be significant for South Carolina. And can they string together back-to-back positive rushing performances on offense against an SEC team? Yeah, a couple of folks in the chat saying that we are reversed. Um, yes. We're not going to fix that right now. We will fix that next time. I I guess because we're kind of mirrored, um, I it didn't even hit me that we were reversed. If we if we were in our offices doing it, I would my brain would see it Im- immediately. Yep. But yep. here it doesn't register that way to me. So we we will definitely reverse <laughs> our seats next time for your viewing pleasure, I guess. Um trying to see y'all so we were we were working on some content during the uh the press conference and then we uh were trying to fix our technical difficulties at the end of the press conference so um i'm trying to go through now we've got updates on gamecock central actually lots of depth to these updates from colin taylor go check that out we're trying to see if there's anything else from the press conference that you need to know um kendall smith texts me saying that uh Beamer uh, had a really good answer about Jalen Brooks. Um, I'm trying to find a little bit more information on that now. Um, Just talking about it looks like uh, that Brooks has been, quote, fantastic since um, rejoining the team. Uh, He plays like someone who is appreciative for every day he gets to come into the building, Uh, won a lot of 50-50 balls. Uh, He's been great on special teams, Uh, matched up with one-on-one with teams gunners. Uh, There are a few college football receivers doing that. He's unselfish and appreciative for his opportunity and is maximizing that. And um, I think, Chris, that's something that was just obvious from game one. <laughs> you looked out there. I mean, some some people, it's kind of hard to describe even, but there's almost a vibe guys give off when it's like, okay, that guy's giving every ounce that he has. Mm-hmm. And you could just feel, like this, sound, this sounds dumb coming out of my mouth, you could feel exactly what he's saying. Like he was playing like a guy who was literally playing like it was his last snap. Like he mm-hmm. appreciated the opportunity and knowing his backstory and being able to get back on the field, missing an entire half of last season. Um, he's, I mean, we, we talked about it last week. He's got to be most improved as far as the guy that's having a much bigger impact than he was probably giving credit for coming into this season. Yeah, and I think because he missed so much of last year, because he's been had some inconsistency issues throughout his career, uh, his short career at South Carolina, and, you know, just some of the other names. Uh, Everybody was talking about Juice Wells and Corey Rucker and even some of the guys on this roster like Amarian Brown or Xavier Leggett, for instance, that were expected to take a big step forward. He kind of got lost in the shuffle. And I I remember reading one of your preseason – Carolina confidentials where it was kind of, Hey, don't forget about Jalen Brooks. And 
you know, it registered, but even then you're kind of, you're kind of a wait and see. Mm-hmm. And from snap one of the season, he's come out and been one of their best guys. And and that's something I've actually heard too, you know, just independently that Brooks and Juice Wells, uh, since we mentioned him, they practice extremely hard. Mm-hmm. And you can tell if you're at South Carolina's practices, those guys have a high level of just gratefulness, you know, Jalen, that he got this chance to come back. Uh, Juice Wells, that he has the chance to transfer from a lower level and play SEC football and, and play it at a high level. And I think just to, to go on a little bit of a tangent, that's something I was just thinking about that this team, they've kind of narrowed their focus, right, to the guys that – this isn't a team where you look at and you go, well, why is this guy playing? He's not really that productive. Or why aren't they trying this guy? The guys that have earned their spots early in the year have kept their spots and they're playing. Mm-hmm. So we've seen the receiver rotation get pared down. We've seen on defense – Nicky Minwari and DQ Smith outperformed some older guys, and so now they're starters. So that's one thing I think you credit this staff for. They're finding the guys that are getting it done in practice and are performing in games. Yeah, and I think um, – I mean, I, I remember when I when I got the text about Jalen Brooks, and uh, basically I was told, hey, Juice Wells uh, is probably the best receiver on this team. And, uh, and at the time, the interesting thing is you start looking to the future, it was more of like – but it might one day be Corey Rucker. Like mm-hmm. he was already showing flashes. And um, so they, that's the guy we haven't got to see it really in, in games, him healthy, him fully healthy and at his 100% best. But um, another guy they could probably have used on this offense. But even at the time when I had put in that little note, hey, don't forget about Jalen Brooks, I was even kind of like, is, is this for real? Like, is, you know, and it was kind of like, all right, Juice and Brooks have been the two best receivers in practice. And um, that doesn't always translate to games, though. So I think yeah. for him to go out and uh, – and I don't bring that up as a negative towards Jalen. I actually bring that up as a huge compliment to just say he has busted his tail in the offseason and then been able to go and translate it to SEC football games, making not just making the easy plays, y'all, making – some 50-50 ball plays mm-hmm. going up and catching the football. And we saw him do that, you know, against Georgia where he lays out and makes a huge play um, last year. But I think, like you said, man, the consistency, you always kind of looked at Jalen and said, hey, there's ability there if he can put it all together. I think sometimes when, when a guy goes from playing at a lower level and um, into playing SEC ball, and, dude, you remember his first year at South Carolina, he didn't even know if he was going to be eligible. Mm-hmm. And then they thought he was going to be eligible, and he wasn't. And then it was just like, boom, hey, you're eligible. Go to LSU. Good luck. <laughs> you know, right. so it's like yeah. yeah. I, I think there's a mental – sometimes we take for granted the mental uh, fortitude that it takes to go out there, um, put yourself on the line in front of 80,000 people on ESPN, knowing if you make a mistake, you're on Twitter – People are dogging you. Like, um, it, it takes a certain amount of mental toughness that I, I think um, for for Jalen to be able to kind of persevere and fight through and get to the point where he is now. Um, like, I just – I think you got to just tip your cap to him for uh, the progress that he has made. And, and he's been – I mean, he's been one of their best players on offense this year. He has. I mean, he's he's been, like you said, a 50-50 ball guy. 
I think when he got to South Carolina, our expectation for him was, hey, this looks like a guy who could be a downfield threat. He's a big kid who could run, had long speed. You know, the, the hands and the consistency of catching the ball, that was a little bit of a question mark, and we saw that early in his career. But now he's clearly worked extremely hard. Um, now he's a guy that can go make the spectacular catch, as we've seen not only last year but this season. Um, but we've seen him go up and make some 50-50 catches, and we've seen him be a really good run after the catch guy. I mean, I think of the Kentucky play, the little drag route, stepped out a little early, but can catch the ball over the middle of the field and get you some yards after catch because he does have that speed. So his his emergence, man, it's been it's been huge for this team. He plays really hard, and that's what they've needed in this receiver core. Definitely, man. So uh, as you know, this show is, as always, brought to you by our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com. 803-771-6933. If you're in the market for a new home, give Clint a uh, text, uh, call, email, whatever you're most comfortable with. And um, there's a lot going on in the mortgage world right now and the housing market. It's, uh, it's tough. You want somebody with experience to help walk you through this process. And uh, Clint is that guy, uh, one of the best mortgage guys, not only in the state of South Carolina, but in the entire country. The numbers back that up. Again, 803-771-6933. Um, Chris, I was trying to go through. It doesn't seem like there was a ton else just completely newsworthy from the um, press conference today. Beamer saying uh, Marshawn Lloyd playing fast, playing physical. Um, thought it was interesting. He, he given a lot of credit to the receivers, the line. Um, you know, every, just I think we have seen kind of that thing Beamer and the guys have talked about in the past that maybe people start to be, they get tired of hearing it that the running game is not just about your offensive line. It's about everybody blocking. And I think what we're going to have to see moving forward, but what we saw a pretty good glimpse of against Kentucky and certainly against the lesser teams too, SC State, Charlotte, but I think it continued forward is just sort of everybody blocking for everybody else. You know, your outside receivers blocking, uh, whether it's on the little quick perimeter receiver screens or Marshawn, Marshawn will bounce a play outside now. Like he – he has a habit of getting of bouncing it out to the edge. So that's when it's so important for um, there to be guys out there being selfless, being team first guys and putting themselves in a position to help turn these short runs into long runs. Yeah. And, you know, RJ is RJ Marshawn. I was just reading something about RJ Roger in the comments. It's, it's been interesting because, some of the good that Marshawn has done, and that being his ability to run through people, to run around people, to bounce plays outside, you do have to think about the bad of that, which means there are a lot of times where he is being contacted at the line of scrimmage or is breaking tackles. But the good running backs nationally and in the conference, they're doing those things too. I mean, mm. you play a very difficult schedule, which South Carolina has. You play a lot of really good defenses in conference play, which – they have and they will continue to do so, you know, there are a lot of times where you're going to have to make a guy miss. Sometimes you're going to have to make multiple guys miss. And so what he's proven is that he is, has been able to do that. And it looks like they found some things in the run game that they can do pretty well. Their biggest thing, Wes, I think, and, and this is where some of the statistics, they are, they're almost like a paradox. They have too many negative plays. And, and statistically, when Marshawn Lloyd carries the ball, 
he has one of the higher negative play rates in the in the conference, but some of the better yards after contact uh, metrics also in the conference. So um, that's the one thing, you know, when you're looking at the offense going forward, cutting down the negative plays, and I'll lump in turnovers with that. If this offense could cut down the negative plays a little bit and cut down the turnovers markedly, this offense could get even better. Yeah, I think, um, you know, man, there's a lot of people last year, like, what is up with the running game? Where, you know, where did it go wrong? And I think if you go back to 2020, there's a little bit of uh, fool's gold there um, in this season, not and not in, as far as Kevin Harris goes, but as far as the just running game in general, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are like, oh, you had a thousand yard rusher. And they had, I would say, just as many. And I, I don't, I haven't even looked this up statistically, but I almost guarantee they did. They had as many negative yardage plays in 2020 as they did in 2021 per game because I know it was a different season. But in 2020, they had all these big explosive runs Mm -hmm. that kind of statistically, if you just looked at it, counteracted that. It made it look like they were a decent running team. Well, when they faced the really, really great defenses, when they faced the Texas A&Ms, I remember South Carolina running into a brick wall against Texas A&M, and that sort of was – I don't want to say the beginning of the end because it was closer and closer to the end of the end of the Muschamp era when they just got blown out at home by A&M, no chance whatsoever in that game in 2020 because they could not run the football. Right. And um, so, <laughs> I mean, I it's true. That was just crazy. It's true. Yeah, but yeah. so, you know, I think, um, I think there's still that tendency to give up some negative plays. I don't, I'm, I don't, so, I'm still, I don't know why that just got me. We were talking about something the other day and you're like, I don't know why that just got me. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> no chance whatsoever. They they could not run the football, so I, I think um, now they've started to get some of those big plays, some chunk plays back, and um, I, I actually think in some ways they've started to show the ability to run the football even better than they did in 2020. But to your point, you got to be able to cut down on those negative plays, and sometimes just just not letting a play get completely blown up. Like the fourth mm-hmm. and two at Kentucky yeah. where – I mean, I don't, I don't know what happened on that play because there were like four or five guys that were in the backfield. Yeah. Mar- Marshawn Lloyd, if, if everything is blocked up and one guy comes free, Marshawn Lloyd actually has a decent chance, especially if he only needs two yards, of, you know – putting that guy in the spin cycle basically like we've seen we've seen him the chances are greater that he will make the guy yes now if there are four guys in the backfield (laughs) chances are not good he Um, didn't he didn't he break two tackles on that fourth and two i think he broke two tackles and there were still 15 guys waiting on yeah so you know i i think it's just about cutting down on like you said some of those negative plays and i i think it'll be very interesting this week we've seen them play pretty well off the bye week um, or, or with extra time, I should say. Yep. They've only really – they've had one bye week under Beam. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah. with extra time, uh, you know, it was actually the A&M game last year coming off of that where they sort of regrouped, mm-hmm. came back, and um, I guess beat Florida yep. the next week. So – and that was when they made the move to Jason Brown. Well, um, there's not going to be any big, huge move like that. This time they're coming off of a win instead of a loss. But – We've seen them with extra time um, play pretty well and be a little more efficient on offense. So I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see, does the offense 
bring a few wrinkles, additional wrinkles. I'm sure they will, but for the most part, what I'll be looking for is can they just be efficient? Can they continue to be more efficient? Because I think we have seen signs of it. Sometimes people maybe don't even want to see it or admit it because they are so convinced that the offense is awful and they almost want to be right at this point. But I think there have been signs of improvement. But can they continue to build on that enough to beat an A&M, to not have a letdown against Missouri? Um, you know, you want to fast forward, you know, all of a sudden Florida is like a, yeah. a very winnable but very losable game as well. Here's the thing, man. I feel pretty strongly about this. I don't think anybody should be saying right now that this offense is bad. I don't get if, – if you're doing that, you almost have to be having it as a continuation of last year or a continuation of the Georgia game or something. Um, we don't have enough data yet to say for sure. But it really seems like this offense is playing a lot better than it was early in the year. Now, does competition level have something to do with that? Yes. But, again, they dominated Charlotte. They dominated SC State. That's what you're supposed to do against those teams. Unless you're just saying, well, they didn't score 70, so I'm dissatisfied. Against Kentucky, let's not forget. I know South Carolina scored a touchdown on a short field. I know they didn't get points after the block punt. I know there was a couple of turnovers that were very disappointing. But this is an offense that scored more points than Ole Miss did. Mm -hmm. Anybody saying Ole Miss's defense offense is bad? No, absolutely not. Uh, Mike Leach, they struggled mm -hmm. against Kentucky. So when you kind of measure it up that way and look at the past few weeks, the feeling I get is not that this offense is struggling. I, I don't feel that way anymore. I did early in the year. Um, what I feel is what we just said, got to eliminate the negative plays. Uh, Got to cut down on turnovers. And I do wonder if they have to pass the ball more consistently and throw it down the field, if that's forced upon them, can they do that? I, I don't know yet. And also don't know if they can string together running the football again, effectively again against A&M. I think part of that is a little bit of the bias of what we've seen the past few seasons. Not exactly fair. Mm -hmm. Different teams, different coaching staffs even. But South Carolina hasn't even hit – 77 rushing yards in the past five years against A&M. It's like you said, they've been completely stonewalled against this team for whatever reason. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, when we walked in the 107.5 studio today, I said, and Chris knows personnel and rosters way better than I do, I said, how many of those guys are back <laughs> from the last couple of years up front for A&M? And I know they recruit like five stars across the board, yeah. it feels like, on the defensive line. But um, there is a stretch there where their defensive linemen just have uh, have owned this series, I yeah. feel like, and have have kind of – I mean, you, you go back to the game last year. They just swallowed South Carolina up. And yeah. I, I think there was, there was no chance uh, for Carolina to win that game because they just got overwhelmed by the defensive pressure early on. Couldn't throw the ball, couldn't run the ball to get yourself in, uh, you know, some more makeable throws. And it just really snowballed on them last year. And then – you know, you had that punt return, which I too had sort of just deleted from my brain. But you, uh, you're already struggling in those other areas. Um, we've seen South Carolina use special teams as an equalizer. Mm -hmm. In this case, uh, against A&M last year, it was not. It was the opposite, and just kind of led to um, even more hurt on their end. So, um, yeah, we we've got all week to go into this game, but I, I think the the early sto storylines 
are very clearly QB because that was just so talked about on the A&M end of, sure. you know, is Haynes scheme going to play? Is he healthy? Um, and of course, then both sides, can he run the football here? South Carolina, can you establish any uh, semblance of a running game against A&M? And, um, you know, I know you had your article on Jimbo and what he had to say. So far, he's saying <laughs> Haynes King is is in, right? Yeah, uh, he was asked if you know about Haynes King, and I, I wasn't even sure Wes what the rumored injury was. That there was something going around about his ribs or something. But Jimbo was asked about a foot, I believe, injury to Haynes King, and he just kind of had a puzzled look on his face and had <laughs> said, uh, "I think his exact quote was he's going.'" So. He's uh he's ex- expecting him to play. Says he has practiced and practiced well. Also, West though was asked about Connor Wegman, who is their five-star freshman from the twenty-two class, has not thrown a pass this year. Um, Jimbo was asked if there was an opportunity for maybe Connor Wegman to play in this game, and he said, "We'll see." So, um, is he just saying that? Is there a legitimate chance? We don't know, but certainly Haynes King's health and and really A and M's quarterback play in general. I think it's going to be a key in this game. Definitely, man. I want to tell everybody about our friends at Liberty Tax, uh, 803-462-5576. Uh, if you're frustrated by keeping up with your bank statements or your QuickBooks, the tax team at Liberty Tax can handle your bookkeeping and payroll services. They have a QuickBooks Pro Advisor on staff. Uh, that would allow you to do what you do best, work at making money and making your business successful. Let Liberty Tax handle the rest. They've got three locations in the greater Columbia area. That's Irmo, Columbia, and Lexington. 1123 South Lake Drive in Lexington. 7467 St. Andrews Road in Irmo. 551 St. Andrews Road in Columbia. Again, 803-462-5576. Shout out to Liberty Tax. Our boy Larry over there uh, for being a supporter of the show. Chris, what else you got today, man? Uh, I don't know if we have a lot. We 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 got to save some content right for later in the week as we continue to preview uh, the Texas A and M game. Look, here's here's one point I'll make. Just kind of thought of this as as I was talking through that. You know this this A and M team has not been great, but I sense a little bit of premature writing them off <laughs> as as not a very good team. Is this a more winnable game? Maybe markedly so compared to what we thought coming into the year. Probably so. Hasn't been a dominant A&M team. Um, but they're toe-to-toe with Bama pretty much, who is probably still a pretty doggone good team. Um, they beat Arkansas, mm-hmm. regardless of if they doinked a, a kick off the po- off the top of the post. They did beat Arkansas. Uh, I think everybody's kind of looking at some of their inconsistencies, looking at the App State game. This is still a team that has a ton of talent, and – I go back to what you said earlier, running the football with A-Chain, and if they can get efficient quarterback play, if they can win both sides of the line of scrimmage, which they've done last year, the past few years, that's kind of been the story of this series. So this is still, in my opinion, South Carolina is going to have to play its best game of the year, even better than they played against Kentucky to have a chance at winning this game. But I do think they can do so. I think they can win it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think going into the Kentucky game, people maybe weren't, all that excited necessarily, right. and there was a little bit of just doom and gloom. Now I feel like coming off the Kentucky game, everybody's still riding the high a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tight football game. Uh, going to be a great atmosphere, uh, and I think if you're Carolina, you got to hope that plays in and you can find some momentum 
early in this game, much like he did against Kentucky. But we'll talk about all that throughout the week. Uh, we're going to sign off here from our Still Hands studio again. Uh, come out, Still Hands, 5 o'clock. We'll be on location doing the show live from Still Hands here in KC. They'll have live music, oyster roast, all kinds of uh, entertainment to get you ready for South Carolina versus Texas A&M, 7.30 p.m. this Saturday, SEC Network. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all being patient with us. Uh, we'll see you very soon. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.